Cajun Nation, Matt Miguez here. Welcome into a new episode of Region Review. In this episode, we will sit down with the play-by-play voice of the Chanticleers, Mr. Joe Cashin, to preview Wednesday night's game against the Chanticleers, 6.30 on ESPN from Cajun Field. We'll talk volleyball. They're 11-0, almost the best start in school history. We will talk about that. We will talk about injuries and missing players and what can what can we expect from the Cajuns Wednesday night at Cajun Field. That and so much more on this upcoming episode of Raging Review. Spreading Cajun across the nation. Pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Raging Review. Made by the fans, for the fans. Cajun Nation, Matt Miguez here. Welcome to Raging Review. Happy Monday. We have so much to talk about as we are approaching 36 hours kickoff between the Cajuns and the Chanticleers from Cajun Field Wednesday night on ESPN, a 6.30 p.m. kickoff. We will have Joe Cashin, the play-by-play voice of the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, join us for a game preview. But before we do that, welcome in my co-host, as always, Mr. Man About Town, Josh Jogno. Josh, how are you? I am well and excited to be back on a, uh, a very important game week against Coastal. Yeah, you know, this is going to be a lot a lot of people are saying this might be one of the toughest games we've played all year. I've said it many times, they are terrifying if you watch them. They uh they do a lot of things very well. You know, I I would be remiss if right off the top we didn't discuss obviously the the destruction that the state of Louisiana faced over the weekend with Hurricane Delta barreling through the heart of of Cajun country. I think the official landfall was Welsh. Um, somewhere, yeah, Welsh or Creole, yeah, somewhere. I, I heard on the radio that it was thirteen miles. Yeah, thirteen uh, miles difference between Lara and Delta. Uh, that is, uh, that is an unbelievable thing that happened. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was weird. I, I, Caitlin and I evacuated to Houston for to get out of the way of the storm. And uh, last night we were driving back, and driving through Lake Charles in the pitch dark yeah eerie because even the street lights weren't on right it was weird it's eerie i, I was it down was, there for rita weird and it was similar when you drive down to the coastal area i mean there was nothing on you yeah. could see fires burning and just an eerie feeling uh i feel so terrible for those guys i saw some pictures of the the mcneese campus again yeah, this the, morning the football stadium's a pool again it's a pool it's uh it's hard to fathom the, the destruction that those guys are dealing with. So, you know, best wishes to them, man. Uh, yeah, you know, to bring it back home a little bit, even Lafayette got hit pretty hard. I, our neighborhood got absolutely smoked. I, I was lucky. Um, but there are live oaks down all over our neighborhood. And yeah, I mean, the, the door the door to our studio was ripped clean laying, off. Laying in your yard. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like I said, we got lucky compared to – our neighbors, you know, I mean, literally across the street, I have a guy with a with a live oak through his his house. Yep. So, 
you know, the lab was spared, and we're thankful for that. But uh, our thoughts and, and well wishes are with Acadiana and, and the Lake Charles area and anyone who's dealing with this and still dealing with it. I mean, I've got friends that don't have power still to this day, and they are looking at a week. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was a real event. Yeah, Lafayette no, got smoked. No no, no question about it. You know, I, I've, I said it at the beginning of this hurricane season. We were due for a bad one. We, we've gotten pretty spared the last four or five years. So, you know, it, it was our, – our clock was ticking. Well, 2020. Uh, just a gift that keeps giving. So, <laughs> I don't know how due we were, but I know that I have... Oh, I, yeah, it's been giving, all right. I, I don't... Uh, nothing will surprise me at this point. But, again, just fortunate to be where we're at and, and happy we made it through without major damage. And uh, and here's here's a, a sincere uh, uh, PSA to the community. Um, Matt and I are both able-bodied, uh, younger gentlemen. Uh, if you need help in the yard, you need a, a good meal... Uh, if you need some AC and a TV to watch a ball game, uh, please reach out. I, yeah, no I will open up it. my home to anybody who needs it, and that's that's and, sincere. And I, I can't speak for Josh on this. Hell, I'll I'll post my cell phone number on the podcast Twitter page if you need to reach me for anything. Sure. If absolutely. you need help cleaning your yard, uh, I can bring a small army of of guys. So yeah, absolutely, reach out. Don't be uh, don't be ashamed to ask for help. I know we have in the past, and uh, that's what we do as a community. We come together, so uh, we'll get through it. You know, we'll, we always do. Let's get into some national sports headlines now. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll start with two things that happened yesterday. Uh, the Lakers defeated the Miami Heat in Game 6 of the NBA Finals to secure their 17th NBA title, tied with the Boston Celtics for most all-time. LeBron wins his fourth title, also wins his fourth Finals MVP. He becomes the first NBA player ever to win a title and a finals MVP with three different organizations. Impressive. Um, hot take. The bubble doesn't count. I don't. I never agree with Dave Portnoy on anything, but he said it in September. The, the format, it, look, I'm not a big NBA guy, and I didn't watch maybe two or three games. In the bubble? Yeah, this right. well, this entire playoff run, whatever you want to call it. Uh, nope, not a fan. I, I barely watched once the Pelicans were out. It, 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 a lot of it kind of felt like the G League. You know what I mean? And I gave it a shot. I really did. There's nothing else to watch. But Yeah, for a period, the NBA was the only one on. That's right. And uh, Look, for me, hey, and I give credit to uh, Silver because I don't think they had a single positive test the entire playoff run, which is pretty remarkable. Right. But – no, nope. The, the bubble doesn't count for me. Do it again next year when things have, have normalized. I don't know. I don't even know if we're going to. We, I was sitting in Uber in New Orleans last night, and guy says, uh, Cantrell is saying she's going to cancel Mardi Gras. Already. Yep. So we don't even know what sports is going to look like next year. Also happening on the gridiron yesterday, the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants faced off in Dallas, and Dak Prescott may have had one of the ugliest injuries. In, Very scary. In, uh, it was he, like a Willis McGahee type. He, he, took off, he took off running, and, you know, it was a good run. And then at the end of it, you know, it, it kind of happened pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, there, there was a bang-bang hit, and then next thing you know, Dak's foot is facing the wrong way. It's gross. It was gruesome. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Dak Prescott – 
was almost a raging Cajun. He was. If Mark if Mark Hudspeth would have realized the talent that this guy had the quarterback position and not the tight end position, Dak Prescott would have been a raging Cajun. Funny about that, but he's a Louisiana native. Um, he's a classy guy. I think he handles the position that he's in uh, better than I mean, really, anybody could have ever expected. Oh, for sure. He's got talent. I know everybody's ha- everybody has their opinion on Dak, and there's a debate to be had on his performance and things like that. But at the end of the day, there's no questioning the guy uh, as a person, his leadership abilities and his class. So you hate to see good guys like that have that kind of that kind of an injury. It sucks. But, look, he'll be back. Uh, there's people that say they want him in New Orleans. Yeah. When Breeze is done next year. So I'm rooting for Dak the person. I hate the Cowboys and I don't I definitely don't want them to win ever. Uh but but Dak as a person, you know, that's tough. Yeah, that's I, tough. Uh, when I was actually I was driving over here and I was listening to Mike Greenberg's radio show mm-hmm. and he interviewed a I don't remember the guy's name. It was he was a doctor. Um they had performed successful surgery this morning. Um it was a compound fracture. They said that his uh, his fibia was actually sticking out of the skin, <sighs> similar to Kevin Ware. It, it was it was it was out of it was like completely open. So the surgery process was cleaning out the wound and using plates and screws to put the bone back together, basically. Um, Good lord! Non weight bearing for six to eight weeks, and then he can resume. You know start the rehab process, and uh, they said that by next spring, he should be making cuts, starting starting sprinting, throwing, stuff like that. Um, so this morning on ESPN, it was basically confirmed Dak Prescott will not return this year. Yeah. You know, the thing about an injury like that is, sure, you have to do the rehab, and the physical part is important, but any time you go to cut on that leg – it takes a mentally strong individual not to think about it or favor it or to so, just do it. Uh, that's right. And I know Dak is a tough guy, but I mean, gosh, you know, some of what makes Dak Dak is his ability to escape and run around and make plays right. and ad lib. Uh, if he's going to have that in his mind, in the back of his mind, that might really affect his career. So, again, rooting for Dak, that's tough. What about Alex Smith yesterday? Did he play? He did. How did he play? He played well. Really? You know, he he came in. So Kyle Allen got the start. And Kyle Allen got hurt right before the two-minute warning in the first half. Mm-hmm. And that's when they put Alex Smith in. And, you know, the, the moment where they panned the camera over to Alex Smith's wife and three kids. And they just had this look of... Mixed emotions mm-hmm. because they were happy, but at the same time, got to be kind of nervous as hell. Well, the last time they saw him on the field, uh, again, a, a gruesome right. injury that yeah. took two years to come back from. 17 surgeries. God. That dude, guy must love football. Dude nearly lost his leg. Yeah. Nearly lost, lost his, his life. Yeah, nearly died. That's right. So, yeah, as a wife, as a child, yeah, of course you're worried or, or he, he concerned. Played, he played fairly well. Um, I'm I'm not sure what his his stat line ended up being. Um, Did Washington win? No. Okay, they're not very good, but no. Um, Thirty to ten, they lost to the Rams. Yikes! Alex Smith went nine of seventeen for thirty-seven yards. 
Yeah, so they're easing him back in. Yeah. Um, they definitely didn't do, you know, much offensively. Uh, they only garnered 70 passing yards and 38 rushing yards. I wonder if he's – I wonder if the plan for him is to be the backup or is it going to be, you know, working back into the starting role as a chopper flies overhead. Right. Very loud. Yeah, very, very Thank loud. you, LGMC. Uh, anyway, uh, again, another – professional yeah you know people talk about pat mahomes and how incredible he is but what you don't hear nearly enough is how he he was tutored by a, a pro in alex smith and it helped him to mature and understand what being a professional quarterback was all about right. so you got to give you got to give alex cr- uh, a little bit of credit for what mahomes has been able to do you know so uh, another guy that it's easy to root for he's obviously a good guy and a hard worker and, and he's got to love football to come back from an injury like that and play again. I mean, that's speaking speaking of Patrick Mahomes, incredible. He's, he's one of my favorite athletes. Oh, for sure. However, I lost a little bit of respect for him yesterday. Oh, what happened? The end of the game, you know, the the Las Vegas Raiders ended up beating them last night. Did they? Forty to thirty-two. I'll be damned. Um, it was the fir- Chiefs' first loss in almost a year. Mm-hmm. I think the last time they lost was in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the game, Derek Carr is on the field looking for you know the quarterbacks always meet. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes is walking into the tunnel. Like, Tom Brady did the same thing. Well, you see, I will never mention I hate Tom Brady with everything in me. Hey, this, it, everybody, out there, Tom Brady. everybody out there is free to use this, but this was uh, conjured up in a bar in, in New Orleans. Tom Brady will forever be known after his little hissy fit to me as Titty Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Titty Brady, I love it. I love it. But, but what, no. what a tantrum that was. A little tantrum. Right, right, yeah. And having said that, having said that, and I, I don't like Tom Brady either, so, you know, that's why I have the nickname for him. But I, I do appreciate an athlete that cares about losing. There, there are millionaires in the league that care about showing up for a paycheck like a job, just like all of us. Right. We go out and make our money, and then we go home. There are still athletes in this game that really want to win, really care about winning or losing. Of course. So – I'm not going to kill him for not shaking hands. Yes, you want to be professional. Of course, you know, sportsmanship is what it is. But uh, I, don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I, I, maybe he shouldn't have done that. But You see me, that, that's, just, that's a sign of disrespect. That, that's, that's classless, if you, if you ask me. Uh, maybe. You know, the only, the I only see reason, both sides. I, I certainly reason, see both sides. The only reason I would understand is, you know, there was a scare for a little while that Patrick was COVID positive. If it was a COVID thing, fine. I mean, I'd certainly use fine. that as an excuse. <laughs> you know, if you were just pissed and didn't want to talk to anybody about the fact that you lost, that's messed up. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, up. I I see both sides to the argument, but I do appreciate my athletes still caring about winning or losing. I mean, yeah. Michael oh, Jordan absolutely. was used to do stuff like that. We talk about LeBron and and his accomplishments, and that's great and everything. But Michael Jordan was the ultimate competitor, as we've learned. I mean, yeah. we knew our whole lives, but we we got a, a more of an intimate picture of that. Uh, I, I see MJ doing stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm not gonna kill Pat Mahomes. He, I love the guy. You know, the ultimate respect is when you go back to your alma mater and watch games, and every time the camera pans to him, he's in the the, the audience high fiving guys around him and having a great time yeah, about sure. Texas Tech. I mean, I love that, and not to mention he's just a blast to watch. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. Let's go from the national headlines to the state headlines. Oh yeah. And let's begin with 
the school on the other side of the basin. <laughs> Poo-poo performance. Here's here's what I'm I'm gonna disagree. Offensively, LSU played well. Miles Brennan looked good. He did. Sure. Missouri. Offensively, they played well. And, and not Missouri, again, offensively was excellent. But here's the thing. That's expected. Yeah, Missouri is known they're a big for their team. high-powered offense. Always have. But they've always been known for. I'll them. say this. Their defense looked like a bottom oh, three. Both, both defenses defense stayed on the bus. In the SEC. Both defenses did not show up. Not to mention Missouri was without. Yeah. How many players? Oh, yeah. Was it eight players? Something like that. Some, Four some or five crazy. starters? Regardless, I am not an LSU fan. If you are an LSU fan, you have to be 100% just disgraced. How how do you go... How, first of all, let, let, let's walk through the whole process. You forfeit a home game. Granted, safety comes first, I agree. You forfeit a home game. Go up to Columbia, Missouri, who, outside of Vanderbilt, has been the laughingstock of the SEC. Well, they're not an SEC program. They should not be in the SEC. They're they're in the SEC on technicality because the SEC needed another team. That's right. And they had good leadership. Credit to them on that part. And you lose. You lose. Mm -hmm. To a first-year SEC coach. Mm Mm-hmm. Who, you know, everybody trashes the Sun Belt. He was in the Sun Belt 365 days ago. Mm-hmm. Well, ain't a lot of people trashing the Sun Belt these days, but I hear what you're, what you're saying. Point, point proven. Eli Drinkwitz just knows how to beat Louisiana teams. <laughs> well, look. He, he just knows how to do it. Speaking of new hires, okay, when the Baton Rouge faithful— saw that they rehired Bo Pelini. They had visions of 2007 oh, yeah. in their heads again. Let's just, 2004. Say, let's just say Bo Pelini's days are numbered. Dude. <laughs> and look, I, I mean, I have a bias. I can't stand those guys. But Bo Pelini has done jack shit since he left LSU. He had the, the cream of the crop to play defense yeah. with Absolutely for several nothing. years under Saban. After he left there... He couldn't be a coach, and he couldn't be assistant, an assistant anywhere else. He's done nothing. He was sitting at home, right, when they hired him. Yeah, yeah, he had no job. And and they were, they threw a parade. Pelini's coming back home. Well, it was ain't two thousand four. It's not two thousand seven. Uh, he looked. Uh, they they look lost, and they have some young guys in that backfield, but their secondary just looks. Completely lost. How many blown coverages? Oh, yeah. People walking I mean, into no. the end Missouri's zone. Missouri's first touchdown of the game. People walking into the end zone. And look, they've lost people. I'm not making it. They've lost people. You, you got to. That's part of it. But you but, look unprepared. But you still don't have. talk to me about losing players. You, you, you still have the best DB in the country. Well, Stingley and Flott's good. You, you got. Uh, you also got Jabril Cox. Yes. Who was ob- bar none the best FCS defensive player last year in North Dakota State? Sure, you have an elite defensive line. Tyler Shelvin, NFL, Acadiana's Acadiana's own 
grew up right here in, the, in Lafayette. We'll play in the NFL. You have, um, I, don't, I don't even know who else is on their line because I don't care. You're coming off of several but, top five recruiting classes, right. so you have talent. How, how They no, looked unprepared. No, no excuses. They're not playing good football. No. I, I They're don't know not what the a answer good football is. team right now. And I'll tell you this, looking at their schedule, There's, as somebody who has no dog in the fight, there's two or three more losses on it. They're going to be lucky to go 500. <laughs> they had at least two more lo- losses. I mean, you got Bama. Bama, they very well could lose to Florida. Oh, They absolutely. very well could lose to Auburn. They will lose to, to Florida. They will. They could very well lose to Auburn. I think they play A&M. They, I, don't, I don't know this for sure. They may play Georgia. I don't know if they play Georgia or not, but if they do, it's going to be a tough year. I mean, that... Oh man! I understand you lost players and coaches, but damn, you look unprepared. You look—they look thoroughly unprepared. And then you know, we we love and look what happened to Mississippi State this week. Oh God! Oh, Threw seventy passes and scored a safety. Did you? But did you see how they scored the safety? No. Okay, the Kentucky punter fumbled the snap. So what he did was he ran to the ball. And booted it out of the back of the end zone. So Kentucky scored farther. Because, because he knew that if he didn't do that, it was a touchdown. Right. So, yeah, he picked up the ball and punted it out the back of the end zone. So a team that put 44 on LSU? 600 passing yards, more importantly. Couldn't score an offensive point against Kentucky? That's serious. Let's yep. think about that, folks. Until you, when you want to tell me that, I mean, I'm not a fan. Players. I'm not a fan of the distributive property, but I'm not either. But I mean, my God, yeah, no, for sure. And how about let's talk about Restonia? Oh yeah, you know they host UTEP, who again, laughing stock, laughing stock. But I tell you conference. what, they've been winning. I mean, they're three and one. I think they're three and one or three and two this year. Yeah, maybe. So but, they're better. I, I will say that they're better, but. Uh, the the great program up yeah. in Ruston should the, be just ramrodding these teams. Tech. Right, uh, right. Gosh. And you know, and then they had to get lucky to win. Here's the thing. Here, here's something I want to bring up. Tommy McClellan. <laughs> you know, he left at the beginning of the month to take his job at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. I just find it. He posted on Twitter on Saturday morning a picture of him and his family dressed in their golden black. That would that would you call that gold? Sure. Game day in Music City. Hashtag anchors down. <laughs> like, uh oh. <laughs> he he he's not too hurt about leaving Rustin, is he? I mean, who would be? Uh, even going to a losing SEC school it's program. Gotta, it's got to be better than being in Louisiana Tech. Oh, because I mean, hell, Nashville. Yeah. Come on, man. It's a hot town in the city in the uh, country right now. I mean, it's a hot town always. Yeah. I mean, it's Nashville. Who, well, who, well, I'm saying that their uh, their population growth is like yeah. exploding right yeah, now. Because who doesn't want to be in Nashville? It's a fun place to be. Well, if I had to choose between Nashville and Rustonia, yeah, you know, how do I get out of here? Right. You know, right. I mean, get, where's where, where's the first plane? <laughs> yeah. So the, the the dogs got lucky, very very lucky, and that's that's that sets the table uh, to bring it back home. Uh, to the number one program in the state of Louisiana in NCAA football. <laughs> and I, I could say that on repeat every day for the rest of my life. It is, you know, they it would never happen. This would never happen. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out in the Region Review universe. 
Raging Review is making t-shirts. <laughs> we haven't decided on the final design, but they will say the words LS Who. Whatever we decide, there will be shade thrown. Oh, absolutely, 100%. If you want one, message us on Twitter with your quantity and sizes, and we will get them ordered as soon as possible. And then PSA to all the LSU Lafayetteites, uh, I want all the smoke. Oh, yeah. Come for me. Ah. Bring it. I got I got it. I can take it. LSU Agricultural and Mechanical College of Baton Rouge. Ranked third in the in the state per the voters. Yikes. That is uh what what twenty twenty has been an MF. All right. Oh. But from a sports fan state of a state of mind in Lafayette. I'm, I'm having fun. I, I, I gotta tell you, it's been a little bit easier to deal with all the tragedy and the and the crap and foolishness we had to deal with. Uh so thanks to Coach Napier and what he's been able to do For here. Sure. But, and so number now, one program in the state over uh, the mighty purple and puke, man. And you know, God, I, I, love, I love reading the LSU fans commenting on Twitter. Oh, they're saying, so upset. No, but you know, some yes, a lot of them are upset. I got a dude but tweeting me from class. What I'm saying with pictures. What I'm saying <laughs> is I love the idiots that agree. The guys that are like, oh well, you know, that's hard to argue. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Because you're <laughs> just giving up at this point. They're turning in their Walmart clearance shirts for, for red and white. Hey, we have plenty of red and white to give. Plenty of room on the bandwagon. For sure. Let's get. <laughs> but now, no, it's it, it's got to be said. Th- these people are so upset. Oh, they're so angry. Just won a national championship. And they cannot just stand. Won a, just won a national title. Yes. And now four weeks into the season. Fire. They're calling for Ogeron's head. Fire Coach O. Makes zero sense. And then when you say anything no. about your program? If you if you think Ed Ogeron is the problem, you're not watching these football games. My favorite thing is that they don't care about us. Uh, they just want a national championship. But as soon as you mention it on a, on a social media platform, they just crowd up the mentions. Right. The DMs, the mentions, the wall, whatever, whatever snap face it. thing is, I don't really know. But... They can't. They can't leave you alone. You cannot talk good. Can't talk well. You can't say anything good about your program in this state unless it has something to do with the purple and puke. Well, the time has come. The giant is up, oh, walking around. Oh, how the turntables have turned! You can kiss my red and white ass, LSU. It, it's our time, baby. It's it's our time. So just shut up on the other side of the basin. Just just quiet now. And now that we've gone on a 26-minute tangent yes. about it's been fun. How, how much we hate every other school in the state of Louisiana, <laughs> um, before we leave this topic, let's—the Falcons are dying. I, I didn't know they were alive. Well, they were barely hanging on. 28-3 to three, uh, barely, ever since then. Barely hanging on. But, no, yeah, they, they, have, they have completely flushed themselves down the shithole. Um, head coach Dan Quinn and general manager— I don't even remember his name. Dimitrov. Yeah, Dimitrov. Thomas Dimitrov. Yep. Both have been fired. Um, you know. <laughs> somebody a, tweeted. A fun time in Atlanta. Somebody tweeted out, uh, my condolences to Falcons owner Sean Payton for losing members of the family. <laughs> 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 it was hilarious. Oh, no. Okay. Let's, let's transition to the topic at hand, and that is obviously the now number 21 Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Hosting Coastal Carolina Wednesday night, 6.30 on ESPN from the damage-free Cajun field. 
Thank goodness. You know, I want to say this about the coaches poll. I know it's irrelevant, and we don't really super relevant. take it seriously. But one thing I will say is, uh, if you treat it like a peer review, it is nice. It's nice. It's not really relevant in the grand scheme of where you're going to end up, but it's nice to be getting respect from other coaches in, in the in the poll. So that's good. But other than that, it, it mostly is irrelevant. But I just wanted to make that comment. So you know, this game was originally scheduled for October seventeenth. This coming Saturday. Well, it was originally scheduled for... Yeah, right, you're right. This coming Saturday. October 17th. We pushed it up to the 10th because we both had a bye week. We said, why not? But obviously, Hurricane Delta threw a wrench in all of that. So now here we are playing on a Wednesday night on ESPN. How men- mentally... Well, let's talk mentally for a second. Um, how, how does the scheduling back and forth affect the team as a whole, coaches, players? Uh, This is another one of those variables that you kind of learn with your team as you go. But I think so far this year, and look, we've been able to have success, but I think so far this year the the team has shown resiliency. You know, that Georgia State game, you could easily fold with young players in key positions. You know, you have some some omissions from the roster, COVID-related or not. You were shorthanded, and that emotional letdown, I think, was evident in the first half. But look, they came out, and they fought. They made their adjustments. They went into a situation in overtime where, again, a a less experienced team, a less veteran team, a less mature team could have easily uh, been overwhelmed by the moment, and they weren't. So I think that we have some – oh, and then another thing is in Georgia Southern, we're we're without, you know, freaking 10% of the roster – I don't know how many were starters, 8, 11, something like that, yeah. on both sides. So, again, they overcame adversity. Uh, they had to go down the field to kick a game-winning field goal. I mean, it takes metal, takes mental and testicular fortitude to be able to pull off something like that, especially when you don't. Testicular fortitude. Yeah, when you don't have your guys and you don't have your full roster and, and yeah. you're down. No, and Look, that was huge. So I think that there's evidence um, that we, we handle adversity well, and that's one of Billy Staples. Handling adversity well. Speaking speaking of Billy, I have not yet read the Sports Illustrated article best, by Ross Dellinger. Absolute best article I've ever read regarding Billy and the program. You have to read it. If you're listening to this, you have got to read the SI article today. Have you read Chris Vanini's? I have. Excellent. Yeah. Chris is, I mean, he's a pro. He's a, he's a very good writer. He's interesting they were, to they read. Were both, they were both phenomenal. Absolutely. They were both phenomenal. Timing was interesting, though, don't you think? Yeah. Are we the only game on, on Wednesday? I think, yeah. Are we the only midweek game? No. There's a Thursday night game. That's an interesting timing to there release is, both of those articles. A, there is a Thursday night game. But no, Wednesday night, we are the end-all, be-all, unless you're watching the Astros. Yeah. I, I always try to ask the question, why? Why now? Why is the timing here? Um, obviously, they're not in cahoots. They didn't say, hey, SI, let's uh, let's release our articles right, at the our same time. at the same time, right. So so I wonder if that was a, 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 strategi- a strategical move. I don't know. Yeah, the, But it is interesting, the timing. But the, anyway, the, the point is is that the, the articles were phenomenal. Oh, yeah, 100, 100%. Check both of them out. Cajuns in Vegas, uh, you know, last week this game opened up as a nine-point favorite in favor of the Cajuns. It is now down to seven. Um, the over and under? Fifteen and a half. Fifteen and a half. I think that's low. 100% of the country that's is low. betting the over. 
Absolutely. As you, as you should. I think so, too. As now, again, you should. Again, you know, prep is what it is. This is, this is going to be a 38-31 ball game. I, f- I find that I think both offenses want to stay on the field. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's going to be a clock game. Oh, for sure. So who, if the who, clock who can manage the time of possession. That's right. So if you can extend drives out to eight and nine minutes, maybe 50 and a half makes sense. Uh, but if somebody gets down early, I there's going to be fireworks. I, I think it's. I think you're looking at a 38-31 type of ball game. I, I really haven't put together a, a, a real I, prediction I think, in think, my mind. I think but. the offenses are going to score, and the defenses are going to make plays when they need to. Yeah. But as a whole, this is going to be an offensive clinic. Perhaps. But you have two really good offenses, so you know the the instinct is to say, yeah, obviously more points are going to be scored. But at the same time, if you look at it from a top standpoint, if Grayson McCall can stay on the field and, like I said, nine-minute drive after nine-minute drive. Georgia Southern tried to do that to us. They were pretty successful. And, you know, you had a 38-point total at the end. So, right. I don't know. I see I see how it could happen. Yeah, you know, I, I know you're afraid of, of Coastal Carolina. I'm, I'm afraid of Coastal Carolina as well. However, I firmly believe— and and you know we'll we'll get into more of that with with Joe Cash in here in a little bit, but I firmly believe that when if we play our style of football the way we know how to play it, we win no problem. We win no problem. I I don't know. I love our players and I love our staff. Uh, I'm glad that we're healthy. But you have to remember. Yeah, also, also let, let's keep in mind, outside of Arkansas State, Coastal hasn't really played anyone. Fair enough. I mean, Kansas State is a P5, but they're bad. Oh, they're, they're the laughing stock of college football. Yeah, they're not good. Uh, they may very well be the worst D1 program. I'll say that we've, we have a, several players on the roster that have been out for more than two weeks. Yeah. And everybody's back. And you never know how people come back to the roster. Uh, maybe a little rust. I mean, really and sincerely, uh, some of those guys only played two games. Right. Some, some won. So, I don't know. I don't know. We have, uh, you know, Pete has been banged up, so I think this, this Pete, Chris, uh, there are a few that had some legitimate injuries that I think that this is a, a good time for a buy, and I think that it is good to be healthy, of course. Yeah. Of course, I want them to play. Uh, but you never know how they're going to play when they get back and on then, the field. And then what I love about the way we've set this game up on, on the Wednesday is now you've got eight days to prep for UAB. Correct. And that, no, so we it, cannot it's look a, ahead. It's, it's, no, but, I'm, I'm not looking ahead, but I'm, I'm talking about just the recovery. You want to talk about an offense that has off, uh, uh, firework potential. Yeah. Holy <laughs> God, they're, they are terrifying on offense. Yeah, they're good. Big and fast. They are they are good for sure. Cajuns volleyball. You know, obviously with Hurricane Delta, games got postponed. Um, the games they were supposed to play last weekend will now be a doubleheader this weekend. But they're st- they're eleven and zero. They're off to their second best start in program history. We mentioned the last episode. Feels like a, a oh, ten it, years ago. Right. Uh, that that. We had, we thought that nine and zero was their best start in school history, but we looked it up and it's actually thirteen and zero. So, I mean, we're knocking on the door of history here. Yeah. Um, so, so good luck, ladies. I don't. Do you know who they're playing this weekend? They've got Texas State in a doubleheader. Okay. 
Um, so conference, and that's that's as far. It, they, I think it's all conference matchups. Okay, so we're out of the OC, yeah, and now we're I, all in I the conference. It, I think it's all some about conference now. Well, and they're still they're ranked still. Yeah. So we have two programs ranked at this. And then at this program, and then you know soccer, they they turned it was two home games. Yep. Turned them both into road games. Yep. Went on the road and won both games two nothing. That's two, right. Two nil. I'm sorry. Two, two nil. nil. And look, we said we thought that we could. Be good so, and special this year, and they had a couple of bumps in the road, but they're back and they're playing well. Two shutouts in a row. They're on a five-game win streak, sitting at seven and three on the year. So, gonna be fine. Yeah, no. fully expect them to contend for a conference title. Absolutely, absolutely. Get back to the football game now. Um, you know, six thirty, prime time ESPN slot on the mothership, right? Again, yeah. ESPN. Oh, yeah. Unless, you know, the I, I was just looking. The only thing else I can think of the a sports fan around here would tune into, you got the Braves and the Astros both playing. I don't know how much interest those games are getting. Have you been watching baseball? Yeah. I have. I've been watching the Astros. I have not. The Cubs have been out of it, so of course I'm not watching. No, but I've been watching the Astros. I mean, you know. I'm not interested at all in that game. I know some people are, but I'm and not. also nationally also, ranked Cajuns playing the Coastal depends, Carolina. It depends on which. It depends on which which time those games are playing, right? Because like today, the Astros play at three. I do like a good baseball game during the day. So if if they play them early, then there's nothing interfering. When I was in middle school, and the Astros and Braves had that good rivalry back in the day with the Killer Bees and uh, that pitching staff that Atlanta used to have, Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz and all those guys. Uh, our band director, I was in Pan in middle school, and our band director had a TV in his office, and he'd get everybody doing their stuff, and he'd drag me in. We'd go watch a little Braves Astros, so that was some good memories, but that was some fun baseball back then. Uh, but anyway, no, I'm, I'm really not interested in, in major leagues. Again, I feel like it's like the G League and the NBA. Something about it is just there's, there's something not there. Uh, it's not their fault. They, they don't have the fans. It's a different energy. Yeah. I, you just don't have the same viewing experience. Also, something worth mentioning, uh, we got Joe Cashin, who we're going to interview after the break, on October the 4th, when we thought the game was going to be the Saturday. So you guys might hear some mentions about, you know, the upcoming game Saturday, et cetera, et cetera. Also, one thing I totally forgot to mention. Okay. What about Robert Hunt making his first career start yesterday? And bulldozing people. Kevin Dodson still making some valuable time for the Steelers. Road grading. And then Alfred Payton. Yep. will be the newest inductee into the Louisiana Athletics Hall of Fame. Very, I mean, if there's anybody that deserves, it's Alfred. Yeah. He still has a good it. career going, and uh, no, he definitely deserves to be in the Hall. So congrats, yeah. Alfred. Yeah, absolutely. Big big news for the former Cajuns round baller. We'll take a break. When we come back, Joe Cashin joins us from Coastal Carolina to preview Wednesday night's ball game. Stay tuned here on Radio Interview. Priority Access Urgent Care, located in the Winwood Shopping Center at 2912 Johnston Street in Lafayette, will provide you with a patient-centered experience with a personal touch. With over 35 years of healthcare experience, President Owner Ed Haney will provide you with exceptional and affordable care for minor injuries, illnesses, and occupational health, offering vaccines and physicals, on-site x-rays, EKG, and lab services, as well as testing for flu, strep, and COVID-19. Now accepting all major medical insurance, including 
including Medicaid, Medicare, and VA insurance. Open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Priority Access Urgent Care, 2912 Johnston Street, where patients are our priority. Call 337-446-0555 for more information or online at PriorityAccessUrgentCare.com. Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Cajun Nation, welcome back to Rage Interview. Matt Miguez here. We are talking Coastal Carolina before this Saturday's matchup with the Chanticleers at Cajun Field. 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN2. Josh Jagno is here with me, as he always is. Man, you, you're, you're, dressly, you're sharply dressed today. Had a prior engagement, Matt. You see how committed I am to this pod? I ran right back home so we could do the, the preview with uh, Mr. Joe Cashin. Yeah, absolutely. Joining us from Conway, South Carolina, is Mr. Joe Cashin, the play-by-play voice of the Chanticleers. Joe, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I am doing fantastic. Been a great start, and thanks for having me on to talk old coastal in Louisiana. Yeah, you know we're 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 excited about this game. You know, you guys are still fairly new to the Sun Belt, but it's kind of been back and forth. You know, twenty eighteen, you guys came to Lafayette and took care of business against us. Handed Billy a very important loss. Yeah, and then and then last year, you know, we went up to Conway and took care of our own business, and so mm-hmm. now. And so now we, we meet again, maybe in a best two out of three kind of scenario. But, you know, Joe, for, for people that may not know, you know, much about Coastal Carolina, I want I want you to start with a little bit about your background and how you became the voice of the Chanticleers. And then, you know, kind, kind of give a brief summary of what Cajun fans can expect out of this team this weekend. Long and winding road to become the voice. That was not something that I had ever really set out to do. We started football in 2003. So we, you know, we're still a, a relatively young and new football program. And this is only our fourth year officially uh, at, at the FBS level. Of course, one of those is a, was a transition year. Uh, well, 2016, 2017, when we made the transition into the Sun Belt and FBS. But I, 
joined the radio broadcast when we started football in 03. Uh, I've been here now for, this is my 18th season on the network and spent the first 11 seasons on the field. And then when the voice of the Shauna clears at that point, Matt Hogue got promoted to director of athletics. You know, how about that? The radio guy becomes the AD. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he was the one who originally hired me to be a part of the broadcast. He said, hey, I want you to come upstairs and, and do the play-by-play. And that was before the 2014 season. So I said, ah, yeah, I'll do that. You want me to do it? I missed the field, but I, I enjoyed being the, the play-by-play guy. So that's kind of kind of a, a cliff notes version of how I became the voice. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of been a, a little bit of a rough go to, you know, to be in the FBS, to get the kind of athletes that we need, the level of kids that we need to be able to compete. but. You know, when Jamie came on board, Jamie Chadwell, in 2017, he kind of started to kind of shape the culture and change it into into what it is now, into kind of what he wants. You know, even though Joe Moglia was still the coach and he guided us through that transition, Jamie is now the head coach and we've got some better personnel, quite frankly. And and this season, we're starting to kind of see this this program you know, kind of develop and, and just get better. And the first three games, I don't think that, you know, if you're Jamie Chadwell, you could have drawn up a better script as to how it's gone. So, so far, so good for us. Joe, thanks for – I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with us tonight. Uh, we really – I said it before we got on the phone. We don't have a ton of history, you know, so we're really kind of forming that familiarity. Uh, before the season started, you know, I know you guys have a lot of – uh, confidence in, in Coach Chadwell, and it sounds like, like you said, personnel has improved, the culture's improved. What was a reasonable expectation for Coastal football prior to the 2020 season? You know, I think reasonably we thought that we could get over the hump and get to bowl eligibility. I mean, we were not far off from that last season, you know. I mean, there there was a reason we were 5-7, and seven, and it was because we just couldn't close the close ball games down the stretch, you know, the Georgia Southern game, but we were, you know, we were one play away from winning that game. We stopped them on fourth and five at overtime with a lead. We win. Uh, we didn't, and we lost. You know, we, we lose to Arkansas State by a point because we gave up a touchdown with 30 seconds left to go in the game. And, you know, ULM, we gave up a, you know, a late drive and lost that game by three. I mean, so there were some games last season that we could have, gotten the bowl eligibility. I think coming into this season, we felt like if we could turn that corner and get over that hump, that, you know, six, seven, eight wins, you know, was certainly achievable. Now we, of course, know that this is a difficult schedule as it you know, has always been in the sunbelt with Appalachian. Uh, they're coming to our place. You know, of course, going to Louisiana, the, the West favorite and a team that, you know, has really, really gotten, really gotten very good under Billy Napier here in a year or two. And, we knew that was going to be tough and some of these other teams. And, of course, now you know, the schedule changed. We didn't have to play at South Carolina. We went to Kansas. We thought we could win that game, and we did. You know, real, you know, realistically, we felt like we could get over the hump, get to bowl eligibility, and, and maybe compete for an East Division title if, you know, some things went our way and we were able to turn some of those close losses into wins this season. Just to kind of recap for Cajun fans, uh, what Coastal's been able to do early in the season – you go on the road, like you mentioned, and, and really you dominated Kansas. You didn't turn the football over with a first-year starter, first career start ever. Uh, you don't turn it over. You don't throw any picks. You play a good, solid football game all around. You kept the offense on the field the majority of that game. Impressive performance. Then you turn around. You beat a capable Campbell team who's shown everybody that they can score. I mean, they really had Georgia Southern on the ropes 
for the majority of their game. Uh, and then you turn around and go to you, – you play Arkansas State in your place. You lose the turnover battle, but you thoroughly destroy – a what I thought was a good Arkansas State team. I mean, I think the time of possession was something crazy, like forty minutes, like four, almost forty-one minutes for Coastal. I mean, they they just totally dominated Arkansas State in every facet. And once again, they're not putting the ball in the ground and not turning it over. Uh, what what do you do? You have any comments to kind of recap for our listeners? Uh, maybe just some highlights that we're missing, uh, because I'm telling you, just from a a onlooker, from an outside looker, it, it just. It's impressive what you've been able to do. Really been the better team in all three games. Yeah, the Kansas game was a lot of fun. You know, again, I, I just mentioned we felt like we could go out there and win that game, even though they were supposed to come to us this season. But with, you know, all the scheduling changes, we, you know, went back out there since it's a, you know, three-game series, and hopefully they'll come back to us next season. But we just, we just jumped on Kansas. You know, forced a turnover on their first possession and went right down and scored right off of that. And our kids, you know, seemed to get energized from that. You know, we put 28 points on the board in the first half. We scored on all three Kansas turnovers. You know, forced a, you know, a couple of well, forced a fumble, got another pick, and you know, before anybody knew it, it was it was 28-3 at halftime. Up, you know, and the second half was, yeah. You know, I mean, they they scored a couple of times, but they never really threatened. I, I, again, like I felt like last year, I felt like we had better personnel. You know, you look at Kansas right now, and they are really struggling. I felt like, you know, for a G5 to have better personnel than a, a Big 12 Power 5 is you know, kind of kind of stunning, really, but I just felt like we were better, and we played that way. Uh, the, Kansas, uh, the Campbell game, we had to have kind of a fast turnaround, but, you know, again, we came out and forced a turnover on their first possession. We did that in the first two games, and with Arc State, we got one on their second possession. So we're turning teams over early and making them pay for mistakes. Got on top of Campbell early. You know, 14 zip, got them down. We were favored to win the game, and that's what we did. Now, they have a pretty good quarterback who can run around and make some plays, but, you know, we were able to kind of keep him in, tre- in check a little bit better in the second half. And you're right, they had Georgia Southern on the road. You know, they made a, a big time special teams mistake and, you know, kind of let Georgia Southern back in that game, and, you know, the Eagles pulled that one out. But we, you know, took care of business against a team that we were favored to do that against. And then, uh, of course, you know, the Arkansas State game was just, you know, that was just crazy. And you mentioned the, you know, the, the time of possession in that game. Close ball game in the first half. It's going back and forth as, as I expected it would. You know, 17 to 14, we get the ball with 9.36 left in the, in the first half and then at our own six. And I'm sitting there in the break thinking, wow, you know what? We really need a first down or two here. Let's carve out some space. Let's try to get a little maneuvering room and at least have an opportunity to flip the field. Well, 18 plays and 94 yards later and 8.38 off the clock, we're in the end zone with less than a minute to go in the first half. And, and that was just, that was classic Jamie Chadwell football. You know, just grind them down, convert them third downs, and punch it in the end zone at the end. And that, and that drive set school records for most plays on a scoring drive and most, you know, uh, the, the longest time of possession that we've ever had to score. And so we're up 24-14 at halftime. And then we come out with the ball to start the second half and we do it again. Yeah, and this time we go 83 yards and 14 plays and over six and a half minutes off the clock. So we had two possessions literally back-to-back in that game that took over 15 minutes off the clock, resulted in two touchdowns, and that really broke Arkansas State's will. I mean, and they are a good team. I mean, make no mistake, they've got, they've got personnel, and they always have had personnel, and they'll bounce back. But it was just, you know, it was a day for the Shauna Clears. You know, to dominate time of possession, 
make them pay for mistakes. And we made some mistakes, too. Now, that third quarter was pretty sloppy, and Jamie mentioned that in his post-game remarks. If we hang on to the ball a couple of times, I mean, it might have been even worse than that. I mean, we had 41 minutes time of possession with three turnovers. So, But to, to do that to, to an Arkansas State team, which it has, has drubbed us a couple of times since we, since we came in the league, that was – it was kind of gratifying, to be honest with you. And that was, that was a big statement win for us. Probably the biggest win since we've come into the conference. Yeah, so hopefully we can we can build off that and, and, and see what we can do this Saturday. Yeah, Joe, there's, there's no question about it. You know, looking at Coastal Carolina on paper as they get ready to come to Lafayette, you know, third down efficiency really stands out almost at 60%. And, you know, the, the lack of turnovers we were talking about earlier is another thing that step, steps out. I mean, McCall has nine touchdowns to only one interception on the year. Um, as a team, you guys are plus six in the turnover margin, which is, you know, a ridiculous number. Talking about Grayson McCall, you know, going into the season, you as, as an outsider, you figured the big name from the Chanticleers was going to be C.J. Marable at running back. But Grayson's kind of stolen the show it, through through the first three games. You know, how did he emerge as the starter? And what are your thoughts on his early season performances? He kind of looked pretty good last year as a true freshman, to be honest with you. I mean, we have capable quarterbacks in Fred Payton and Bryce Carpenter. You know, and Carpenter was a quarterback two years ago in Lafayette. You know, I mean, he, had, he came in that game and did some nice things for us because we had our, you know, uh, Starter in that game get knocked out, and Bryce came in and played awfully well, and we wound up winning that game down down the wire. But Grayson just is a is a different level quarterback. I mean, and that's no knock on Fred or Bryce. I mean, we can win with either one of those two guys, and we have one. And they're juniors, and they've been around. But Grayson kind of ran this offense. He ran he ran a lot of this stuff in high school. You know, this hybrid, this you know, true triple option, the RPO game, the spread game. He, he did a lot of this stuff in high school. So I think he came in the most comfortable at doing what, what Jamie Chadwell wants to do in this offense. And, and Jamie can kind of open things up and do some different things, make us more multiple, make us more dangerous, you know, with the things that we can do with, with Grayson out there. I mean, he just has great presence in the pocket. You know, he gets pressured. He knows when to climb the pocket, get rid of it. You know, he made one bad throw yesterday. He tried something over the middle, you know, which he shouldn't have thrown. But other than that, I mean, four scores and, you know, 322 passing yards. And like you mentioned, nine scores and that one pick. I mean, he's he just been at a different level. And, you know, teams have kind of keyed in on C.J. Marable a little bit. I mean, I, I feel like C.J.'s a Sunday kind of player. I think a lot of the opponents, well, all three of them that we played, kind of think that too. And they're, they're going to try to take him out and make a redshirt freshman beat him. Well, so far, Grayson's been able to been able to do that. So you know, if we can kind of loosen things up for CJ and you know, kind of, kind of get some of these other guys, which we've been able to do in our running back stable of running backs into it, we'll be okay. You know, so CJ will get his yards eventually. So, but yeah, I mean, Grayson has just been he, he just been phenomenal so far. Yeah, you know, like like you said, shut down the guy you know and try to make the red shirt freshman beat you. And he's well, doing it. For for three teams so far, it hasn't really worked out very well. Right. He's shining. Now, Joe, yeah. you know, let's let's stay on Grayson. I've got one more question about Jason Grayson McCall before we move on. If you could tell us his biggest strength and his biggest weakness in your mind, what would it be? Oh, that's uh jeez. And in terms of 
you know, his, he's got a lot of strength. But I guess just the, the patience that he has back there, you know, to let something develop and not just, you know, either get rid of it or hurry something that's not there and make a mistake. I mean, yesterday we're on the goal line going in against Arkansas State, and you know, we, we ran a uh, if I, I hadn't, I hadn't had a chance to really go back and look at all this stuff, but we ran a almost like a little fake kind of handoff there, and, he, and we wanted to dump it over the middle to the tight end. I think is what the original plan was. I think we wanted McFarland running to the post. Well, that wasn't there, and so he just he just kind of stands there, looks out to his left, and just fires one about twenty yards out there, you know, to Cam Brown, who's one on one with his defender out to the left. I mean, that's just. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not nothing there. Okay, where's my third, second, and third guy? Oh, whoop, there he goes, touchdown. You know, I mean, just the, the, the ability to stay there and uh, and, and stay poised and then and make a, a winning throw. You know, make a winning play. Which I think that that may be his biggest his biggest strength in terms of weaknesses. I mean, I you know, to be honest with you, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish he wouldn't run it as much. I, I wish he'd just get rid of it. Sometimes and, and, and slide down instead of taking hits. I mean, he he took some shots yesterday. You know, Arkansas State tried to heat him up a few times. You know, he he took some hits and maybe you know if, if there is a weakness, it he feels like he can do anything. He's maybe a little too fearless. You know, live to fight another day. Get on the ground. You know, save yourself a little bit of wear and tear. But you know, he, he's just you know he, he's been solid in every every area so far. And I asked Jamie the other day. I said. You know, I, I'm no football coach. I'm no X and O's guy. You know, I'm like a fan calling the game. I said, how many reads has he missed, you know, in the first couple of ball games? And, and Jamie said, no, he's missed two, we think. You know, he missed the protection and then missed the throw. Thought that we had that. That's it. You know, so he, uh, he, he, he's been as good as, as advertised and maybe even better. I can tell you from an outside, an outsider looking in, uh, when you watch Coastal on tape, he jumps out at you in a way that, you know, you, you can't coach instincts. You, you can't coach patience and poise. Mm-hmm. You, you either possess mm-hmm. those things or you don't. And yep. in my prep for the show and, you know, looking ahead to Coastal, I mean, he he does, it seems as if he just does the right thing when he needs to do it. You know, it's, it's, yep. it's kind of difficult to explain. Uh, he's a big physical kid. You know, he looks the part. But just like you said, he climbs the ladder when he has to. He he seems unflappable. Nobody it, it, when things are breaking down around him, he he's unfazed. To me, you know that is terrifying for a defensive coordinator to prepare for because a lot of times, especially in our league, if you can put a quarterback under pressure, you're going to get some sort of result out of that. And Grayson just he just glides in the pocket. He moves here, moves there. Like you said, read, read, read. The ball is where it needs to be. It's accurate. He throws the ball where his receiver can catch the ball. Uh, I, I, I did notice the pass that you're talking about, the one mistake that he made. But even then, you can kind of see what he was thinking. And uh-huh. as a yeah. fan, you know, you you can swallow that a little bit, especially when you're leading the game. But but uh, but anyway, Joe, I want to continue on offense. Uh, how has this offense been able to be so effective with regard to time of possession? Um, it, it is very clear that there's a complex offense that's installed over there at CCU. Uh whether it be the option out of the gun, whether it be the spread, whether it be a little power football. I mean, they can spread you out. They can bunch you up. They do so many things, and there are so many things to prepare for. I mean, even to the fact that uh, Grayson can run a little bit. So 
What what do you think is is so effective about that that offense? You know, I think we've talked about a couple already. You know, to be honest with you, and a big piece of that puzzle is Grayson and the, and the way he's been able to make plays when seemingly sometimes there's not a play there to be made to extend the play and then and figure out how to how to move the ball down the field. I mean, his his, his you know the X factor is is what he does. You know, to, to be special and to, and to make a play when it's there. When you're 59 percent on third down, which is second in the FB, then drives. And and we did that, like I said, on those two those two time crunching drives yesterday. I mean, we're we're converting and yeah, we're converting third downs. And then another touchdown drive we had in the fourth quarter. I mean, we converted two fourth, a uh, two third and long. You know, when you can hang on to the ball on money down, which is third down, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna hang on to it, extend drives, keep the you know keep the ball away, and then increase that time of possession and just frustrate a defense and wear them down. And you know. When you're on the field for 80 plus snaps, like Arkansas State was, yeah, you're you're gonna get worn down. And I think you know the, the combination of our quarterback, combination of being able to convert on third down, we've converted a couple of fourth downs along the way so far. You know those those things will help you be effective in regards to you know, do, you know dominating time of possession of a football game. Before we move on to defense, I do have a quick special teams question. You guys have been capable in the in the uh, in the field goal kicking arena, it, but I really am curious about the pooch kick against Arkansas State in that second half. Was that planned, or was you know was that some sort of an ambush call, or were they, you know, what happened there? Is are, is is Coastal going to call these kind of uh, maybe not necessarily a trick play, but these kind of things that catch you off guard? Are they known for that type of, of style of play on special teams? <laughs> With Jamie Chadwell, you you don't you don't really know what's gonna you know what's coming from one play to the next. I kind of I kind of figured that. I kind of figured that. <laughs> I mean, we're I, let, let me go back to the Kansas game, and this wasn't a special teams play, but we sneak we sneak C.J. Brewer out there, you know, who's gonna I think he's gonna be a Sunday defensive lineman. We sneak we sneak him out there with number thirty eight on. The next thing you know, he's catching a touchdown pass. And, now I'm looking around at, 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 at yeah, my analyst, my partner. I'm like, what, what, you know, why didn't we know this was coming? Because yeah, <laughs> we find out later that's who it was. You know, we didn't know that was coming. But that kickoff yesterday, I don't, I don't think, you know, I mean, the wind was kind of blowing in such a way that, and Arkansas State was pooching it in that direction too. I think that the idea was just to kind of pooch it up. If they're going to start at the 25, so be it. I think it's what happened there. I think it was just a brain fart by Arkansas State. You know, they just let the ball go. But let the ball hit the ground, and nobody went to nobody went to get it. You know, kind of like the Falcons against the Cowboys the other day. You know, a bunch of guys standing there, balls laying right there. You got to get that football. I think Arkansas State just messed it up because of the win. You know, because and that's why we, I think that's why we kicked it and did that. I, you know, I hadn't had a chance to get with Jamie on that, but that would be, you know, essentially because of the wind and the direction, that kind of thing is is why we did that. So, but we we catch a break, and that really was a turnover. You know, for them, I mean, it was three two turnovers. But if you include that, I mean, we stole possession right there. So, I think it kind of even the even the turnover battle up. But that was a big break for us. And and again, you never you never know what Jamie's liable to pull. I mean, he he coaches them up, and and he's always got a trick up his sleeve. I love that you catch them on their toes, or catch or catch them on their heels. And I mean, that's one of those you you think, okay, look, let's get on the field, let's go get some points. Well, no, we're gonna get the ball back. So I, I thought it was mm-hmm. an interesting point in the game for that. So if he did call it. I love that. I love that kind of attacking style coaching. But uh, let's let's move over to defense. Uh, just from again outside of looking in, looks like 
Chad Staggs likes to run a multi-front over there with C.J. Brewer and, and Taron Jackson. I mean, those guys are capable. Look at their numbers in, in, in really small amounts of games last year. I mean, look at how much production those guys were able to, 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 uh, to, to put up. But, again, co- complex blitz packages. They stunt. They move. They're not scared to bring pressure. Coastal's been able to take the ball away early in the season. Is that a direct result of the offense controlling games, or have the shots really improved that much on defense? I think a combination of both. You know, when you can control the ball and the clock offensively, that that, that really helps out your defense. You know, keeps them off the field, and and it keeps them fresh too. You know, the last couple of years since we joined FBS, we we just haven't had a lot of depth, and I think this year defensively, we're, we're finally getting to the point where we can play a lot of guys and not have, you know, a big drop-off. You mentioned Teron and, you know, CJ. We've also got a nose tackle in there who's pretty good, Gerard Clark. But we also have some guys, you know, behind them that can come out there and get some snaps. You know, guys like Kennedy Robert, Roland Wooden, who forced a fumble yesterday. Travis Geiger's a pretty good one in there. So we, we're finally developing some depth to keep our front line one fresh and I, and I think that that is so so important for us I mean we we had to play our defensive linemen like you know Teron had to play so many snaps last season you know he was the first team also Sunbelt Conference kind of guy but we just we couldn't give him a rest because we just couldn't afford to but I think now we, we're finally to the point where we can give these guys you know a little bit of a rest and and you know Chad Staggs I think is terrific on the fly in terms of being able to make adjustments and you know, bringing pressure. Kansas and Campbell both had good opening drives going. And then the next thing, you know, we're sneaking a Silas Kelly in there or a Teddy Gallagher. We're going to bring those guys off the edge. Or, you know, a banded guy like Jeff Gunner who came back this season. You know, he was first team all-conference two years ago and transferred out and then came back, you know. And then having him back has been huge for us. I mean, I, you know, our front seven, I, I, I would match up with anybody in the Sun Belt. I really would the way they're playing right now. Like you say, you know, you know, Coach Staggs is, is very aggressive, and I think he's outstanding at being able to, you know, being able to make adjustments on the fly. Those, you know, those bubble screens yesterday that, that Arkansas State tried to run, we were all over that kind of stuff in the second half. I mean, they, they got us for, you know, one or two maybe early, but, you know, not the second half. I mean, we were able to do that pre-snap stuff, get our guys in the right spot. So, you know, I, I think it's, I think, you know, our offense being able to hang on to it at better quality depth on defense. Yeah, our, our twos are a whole lot better than they've ever been. Halftime adjustments like that are a sign of well-prepared, well-coached players. I've always said that. And I, I would say this. Wouldn't you agree that the reason why the Sun Belt, especially the floor coming up, is is the development of the two and three deep? We have coaches in this mm-hmm. league now that really put a premium on developing players, playing those players, and having them ready to go when they're, it's their time to step in and be contributors. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. I mean, because you never know, you know, this next man up, next guy up could be the next snap. So you got to have guys ready, and you got to go out and recruit, and you got to be able to develop, you know, and you got to get these guys some experience. And and it, it has taken us, you know, this this you know this journey since we you know moved from FCS and you know the 65 scholarships now up to 85 to get to the level of talent to be able to play, you know, with an Arch State, with a Georgia Southern, with a Georgia State, with a Troy, you know, with an App, Louisiana, these teams that have kind of been there and done that and, and you know, have good areas from which to recruit. Now, of course, you know, where we are, we're going at, we're going head-to-head with App a lot. 
you know, and we're starting to kind of hold our own against them a little bit in terms of getting these two and three star kids that we need, you know, to be able to compete and develop that kind of depth, you know, to get the numbers and the talent where we want it. And I, and I think, again, like I said a minute ago, we were finally at that point, I think, where we're, we're, we're getting those twos and those threes developed, you know, to where we can put them on the field and not lose a whole lot, you know, for a handful, you know, 10, 15, 20 snaps, maybe a ball game that we need. Chatting with Joe Cashian, the play-by-play voice of the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Joe, looking at the game on Saturday, is, is there a position group that you feel favors Coastal Carolina in the Coastal defense versus Cajuns offense? Ah, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you look at the Cajun offense, and, and the, you know, there are so many things that jump out at you. That that running back stable. There, I mean, it's like running back you. You know, it's like Arkansas State is. They're they're like wide receiver university. You know, like the Raging Cajuns have running backs. They just they can just bring at you. But the, you know, the thing that jumps out at me when I when I see them and what I have seen out of them is that offensive line. And I think that's the best group in the, in the conference, to be quite frank with you. But I, I think. I don't know that it will necessarily favor us, but I, I think our front seven against, you know, Louisiana's offensive front, I don't know that it will favor us necessarily, but I, I think we can definitely hold our own in there. I, I really do. I mean, you know, Louisiana's going to get their yards. You know, Levi Lewis is going to get some, you know, his time to throw, but I think that we can hold our own. And I may wind up being completely wrong. <laughs> you know, I may wind up with egg on my face about you know, 3.30 in the afternoon, but that's okay. But I think our, our front guys, our front seven, that I, I mentioned a minute ago, I think can hold, hold their own and, and compete against anybody. I'd stack against anybody in this league. I, I'm really interested to see that. I'm, I'm you know, really curious to see if we can go in there against a team Louisiana's caliber and hold our own and then maybe win a few battles along the way. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that, Joe. Um, you know, I know that Josh and I both have – a healthy amount of respect for what you guys have been able to do so far early on in the year. And, you know, let, let our listeners know of any newcomers that, you know, we, we might not have heard their names, but we need to know it in order in come Saturday. As I look at it, I'll start over on defense. You know, I, I mentioned that, you know, the defensive front, I think Gerard Clark, our nose tackle, you know, Jamie is really high on him. Feels like, you know, he's only a redshirt freshman right now, but he, he has been a, a force in there, kind of a dominating force the first couple of ball games. I think he might be a guy that, uh, that you look at. And again, Jeff Gunner, you know, here two years ago, and not here in 2019, uh, but he's back now, our bandit, bandit defensive end kind of guy. I, I think that, uh, you know, you'll, you'll, if we're, if we're playing well defensively, he will be in on a lot of plays. Enoch McConzo, you know, our spur had seven tackles yesterday. He's off to a great start. You know, he got hurt last year early and missed almost, you know, the entire season. He went down to the second game of the year. But he, he has really played well for us. 18 tackles so far, uh, two and a half walls. And again, had seven tackles yesterday, which was a career high for him. So, uh, yeah, if anybody, is a newcomer perhaps, you'd, you'd look at him. Cornerback Derek Bush, you know, he, he played well yesterday. Uh, and then again, over on offense, you know, we've already mentioned a newcomer <laughs> quite, quite uh, prominently so far. I mean, obviously, everybody's going to know about McCall. But, you know, Cam Brown is a wide receiver who transferred in this season uh, who, who is really starting to come on. He had that touchdown catch yesterday in the left corner of the end zone. And then he had a big third down catch. Or he, 
it's down there double teams and they're just, they're just you know whacking him down the field and yet he's able to you know adjust to the ball and make the catch so I like him as a guy that uh, that, that you, you might see uh, figure prominently a guy that we haven't had before so any of those guys I would I would mark their names down if, if we're playing well you'll you'll hear them yeah you know Josh and I were both watching the the coastal Arkansas State game yesterday. And you know you, you talked about that catch that Cam Brown made, spectacular catch. Yeah, that was that was a Sunday type of catch. Well, it's one of those crucial plays in the game that it may not show up in the highlight, but I'm telling you right now, that's that's a that's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, no Jeff, doubt about that. And and, and he, he he has been kind of slowed by a, a groin injury. He got a and then the wide receiver core. We really thought we were going to have big numbers in terms of you know talent and depth. But we we have been paper thin there because of some injuries to guys we really thought tell me about we're it. gonna be there and, and help <laughs> we got the same problem <laughs> well yeah, i tell I, you i know I've, your your pass catchers look big and physical on tv man I, I mean i was impressed with some of those guys and i tell you they're athletic they're more athletic than they seem uh i tell you what uh oh, i'm losing the guy's name we were just talking about cam brown. cam brown cam brown how big is cam brown well they lift it but Six three and two twenty. Yep. Oh yeah. I mean, he looks the part. Uh, he is scary. He's scary for me. Isaiah Likely is another guy that he you know, he kind of he turned his foot a little bit. Hopefully, he'll be okay. But I mean, it's, yeah, he, he's a Sunday player, number four on the We like we we say that he's a tight end, but we we'll flank him out. We'll run him out there. He scored that first touchdown, seventy two yards. I mean, that 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 guy's a Sunday player too. Six four two forty five. For Isaiah Likely. Yep. I thought yeah. they looked big on TV. I was like, my God, Yikes. look at these guys. You know, Joe, t- talking about this game, obviously it was originally scheduled for October 17th here in Lafayette, but due to both of us having an open date with the App State postponement, we were able to move it up a week to kind of eliminate the gap of the length of time between games. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel if – if you feel this way, how, how do you think that this could benefit the Chanticleers? I like it. I like it. We've already had a bye week. You know, we had those first two games, and then we had a we had that open date uh, on the on the twenty sixth, and then we came back into action. Yeah, you know, still looking like we hadn't missed a beat. So I, I like it. I, I kind of I like being able to continue the momentum, and you know, in this in this season. If we get an opportunity to play, we better take it. You know, if we get an open date, both teams can make it happen before something, you know, bad happens to either one of these teams. We better do it. Now, having said that, <laughs> I, I don't know where we're going to be later in the week, but there's there's a storm churning up down around your way that I, I, I oh, no. allow us to get this thing in. Oh, <laughs> I, I, this is why I don't watch the weather. It's yeah, going to ruin my week. I would, <laughs> 2020 has has left no as, no surprises in the bag. As you know? it stands so right now, the week it, you know, who as, knows? As it stands right now, potential tropical cyclone number twenty six. Look, twenty twenty yeah. takes mm-hmm. no prisoners, man, and this is just <laughs> is is projected as as it stands right now is projected to be a category two at landfall and make landfall in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so I tell you what. This Cajun fan is scared. I this scares the shit out of me. This uh, this moving the game. Okay, I, this is why it scares me. Coastal is clicking. They are in a rhythm. They have confidence. They have 
energy. They have something. They have, I hate using this stupid cliche that everybody says, swagger all the time, but they have a little something extra. Mojo. Hey, we'll use Mojo. There you go. They are coming in here to to win. I mean, they make no they make no bones about it. And we are off a of bye, which can be good or bad depending on what kind of team you. Have. You know, if you have a team that's on a roll and you have a team that's playing well, you know, a bye might be bad. It, it, it helps us because we were able to get healthy. So you know, I'll take that. But this is a, this is one of those variables that we don't really know how it's going to affect the Cajun. So I'm just telling you from a Cajun, stand, a Cajun fan standpoint, uh, I'm not I'm not really thrilled about the, mo- the game moving up. I'm glad that we're playing on Saturday because I don't want to have to wait a month to play again. Uh, but from a win-loss standpoint, I'm worried. I'm worried. It's true. Well, in, in, in your defense, Josh, you would have been worried if it was still on the 17th. I'm worried if we play uh, Monroe High School. So... <laughs> I, you yeah, know, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I like it. I like to keep the keep the momentum going, and, and assuming that we we will be okay for the tenth, let's do it. Let's play it. Let's get this thing in. Let's let's get over there. Yeah. Let's uh, hopefully have kind of the same mojo we had two years ago. If I'm in, coastal, in close ball game. If know? I'm coastal, I'm thrilled that the game is moved up. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, just going back home, back to Conway, Brooks Stadium expanded this year. You know, you almost got twenty thousand in there that you can you can host, and that's a uh, that's a nice little upgrade from six thousand. So, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have the Myrtle yep. Beach Bowl if we have a bowl season this year, and that's uh, something to look forward to. But just curious about the level of excitement for Coastal Carolina football down in Conway. Is it uh, is there is there like a palpable buzz down there, and people are excited about the shots, or kind of kind of give us a, a little idea about what it looks like in Conway? Yeah, people are excited. I mean, we've had an allotment of 5,000 tops right now. That's all we can put in there. But if we could have yesterday, we would have had close to, you know, between somewhere in 15 and 20. You know, we, especially after the way we beat Kansas and the way we beat Campbell and that these games are on national television, people want to be a part of that. And people want to have something to do, too. You know, it's, it's, it's part and parcel of, you know, having, you know, been locked down and shut down and not being able to go anywhere and kids not being able to play a lot of sports and people not being able to go and do like they're typically, you know, able to do. You, you get a football team that is started off like a house on fire and they're fun to watch. You know, you want to be a part of that. You want to get a ticket. You want to go out to the ball game. I mean, even with just 5,000 there, you know, for the Campbell game on national television, you really felt like, you felt like there was a buzz. You know, the, the students, in there <laughs> a, a little bit tight, a little too close for comfort, perhaps, in that Campbell game. But they came back yesterday. We, you know, I think we did a better job of kind of spreading things out, but you could still feel a buzz, you know. And I, I not, you know, the AD told me that we could have sold a lot of tickets to this thing, you know, if we were allowed to do it. So I think people are excited. People want to be part of a winning product, you know, they, they want to go watch exciting, fun football. And uh, yeah, hopefully the Myrtle Beach Bowl will come off. Hopefully that'll happen. Uh, of course, they're talking about anybody with any record can get into a bowl game. So if we if we do get to a bowl season, you know, we'll be able to host the Myrtle Beach Bowl, and hopefully by then, you know, restrictions on attendance will be, you know, kind of loosened up a little bit, and we can get you know eighteen, nineteen, close to twenty thousand in there for you know for a, a, what should be a great trip and a great time for whoever it is in that bowl. You know, there's a lot of things to do in Horry County and Myrtle Beach, so it should be a lot of fun if we if we're able to have it. 
Absolutely. And look, if you're a golfer, if you are, if you're a, 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 an enthusiast of travel, if you like, you know, the family trips, I mean, you can't get better than Myrtle Beach Conway area. I mean, I, I love it out there. And uh, another thing is that Coastal Carolina being relevant in the Sun Belt is it's great for everybody. And I would say that about most programs. If we can go out and compete on a national level and bring it back to the belt, I mean, that's the dream. You know, we got to continue to make this this league better and I think we've, we're doing that. I think we are uh, uh, like legitimately accomplishing that mission of our institutions have gotten to the point and the level, a level of national recognition and respect that, that you know, we, I couldn't have dreamed this 10 years ago. You know, and CCU is going to be a, a huge piece in that. You know, obviously baseball, we have the, the good rivalry there with, with CCU, and I love it when you guys come to town and, and, and vice versa. Uh, but but if you can do it in football, I mean, man, just for your program, great. But for the league, even better. You know that I, I'm thrilled about that. Well, what league has gotten more good pub in the first month, you know, first four or five weeks of the season than the Sun Belt? Right. Especially when you flash back to September the 12th. You know, I'm sitting there in Lawrence, Kansas, waiting for our you know, literally our 2 a.m. kickoff. <laughs> against Kansas for crying out loud. I know it. Yeah, even though we're on national television, it was great. I mean, I, I go back to Lawrence, Kansas, and I'm, I'm sitting there watching Louisiana just dominate Iowa State, especially yes, in the second half. And I'm like, man, that is that is a fantastic win for the league. And looking better and all the, the time. Thing, uh, and then the next thing you know, a little bit later that day, Arkansas State pulls off the comeback against K-State, and now that's two big wins for our league right there over the Big 12. And then people are starting to talk. And then, of course, the trifecta is when we capped it off, you know, by routing Kansas. And so the next thing you know, the darlings of college football uh, is the Sun Belt Conference. You know, you, you can't – and all of these games on national television because some of these other leagues have decided not to play. So you got to fill the gap. And who do you fill it with? Okay, teams from the Sun Belt. This is our opportunity to make a statement on a national stage as, as a league. And, boy, did we ever do that. How phenomenal was that? And, and people are still talking about that. Yes. You, you, you can't put a price tag on that kind of uh, stuff. You're exactly right. We've been talking about it for weeks. Yeah. You, you cannot buy that kind of pub. And, and, and still, Joe, you, you, can't, you can't understate the fact that we showed up and did it. I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful <laughs> to have the opportunity, but to actually show up, execute, and pull it off the way that we all did, yeah. I mean, it's huge for the league. I think that the Sunbelt Conference will never be the same again, and, I, and that's, that's a positive thing. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, to to be able to get these games and like and like we're talking about, you know, not just have them on where somebody can pull up a, a phone or a computer. I mean, this is linear television we're talking about where anybody can see this thing. I'm getting more texts late night from people that I know just watching our first game against Kansas than I have probably since being in Omaha and winning the championship in 2016. You know, people are watching this thing. People I wouldn't have expected to te- be texting me at that time of night. Oh man, you guys look great. Oh, yeah, yeah, finish, the, finish this thing off. Oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great for our league. And then watching the talking heads talk about it and tweet about it, you know, you just, you just can't, you can't put a price tag on that, on that, kind, of, that kind of success and that kind of exposure. And, and hopefully we can continue to build on this as long as we have linear TV. You know, and, and that's another great thing about our matchup this Saturday, you know, another linear television kind of thing. 3-0 against 3-0, two red-hot teams in the Sun Belt. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. No, no, Joe, it does not. You know, we've always talked in Lafayette about wanting more TV time. This is our fourth straight nationally televised football game. 
Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Same for us. Same so, for I mean, us. Yeah. You, you can't you can't get better than that. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, Joe Joe, I hate I hate to bring this up, but you know, just the times that we're in, you know, from whether it be a COVID standpoint or an injury standpoint, what's the health and availability for the Chanticleers heading into this weekend? As far as I know, we're pretty good. Uh, you know, now we'll, we will test on Wednesday. We'll, we'll do our Sun Belt mandated test on Wednesday and, and kind of see where we are. We got we had a couple of minor injuries coming out of yesterday. You know, a couple of couple of starters. But I think they're going to be okay from everything I've been able to gather today. Now, of course, you know, they'll get treatment and we'll find out more. You know, a little bit later in the week. But uh, you know, I I didn't see a whole lot. I didn't detect a whole lot in terms of you know your your typical traditional injuries. We we had to sit a couple of guys down late. We had an offensive lineman that took a he took a blindside crackback on a, on I think on that interception. Which uh, yeah, where where's the official there for crying out loud? I mean, it's so far away. You know, it just kind of aggravates me a little bit that that kind of thing. You know, they they got away with that, and he had to come out of the ball game. But I, I, I as I've heard today, he's okay. Uh, our, our right tackle, so he, we should be good there. And a couple of little minor injuries, but. You know, the, the COVID stuff really ran through the team in July and August. I mean, that's when we that's when we kind of went through what what Appalachian I think is going through right now, especially with our offensive line. We had to sit some guys down and quarantine them and put them in isolation and do all the all the things that we're supposed to do. And when we lost some time with some offensive linemen in terms of conditioning and reps and that sort of thing, uh, but but since then. We we've been okay, and and like I say, yeah, we'll we'll test again on Wednesday to see where we are. Uh, so and I I can't speak to the COVID thing right now, injury wise. Again, I think we're going to be okay there too. So yeah, we 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 play with who we've got. You know, we yeah, there have been guys, there have been teams that have played with 10, 15, 20, 30 guys down, and in this in this crazy twenty twenty season, you know, it's what you got to do sometimes. Hopefully, we're not there, but uh, hopefully, we'll be okay. Yeah, 2020, we just finished playing a game where, like, literally 20 of our biggest contributors couldn't step on the field, or if they did, they were hurt in the first or second quarter. <laughs> Georgia, Southern, Georgia Southern gave us the scare of our lifetime, so totally understand. Oh, I know, and, I watched it. I saw it. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something. I am I am the healthiest person I know. I may have had a stroke, a heart attack, and something else within the, the three hours of that game. <laughs> but... Well, credit to, that, credit to that kicker, man. I tell you what, I felt bad for him, but, you know, I'm sitting there, he's got 53 yards. I thought, I don't know about it, but tag up if he didn't drill it. Well, trust me, <laughs> don't feel sorry for him because he's been toast of the town for a week, I promise. Uh, he's doing <laughs> just fine, so. old Nate. But uh, I bet so. one thing I really take away from this conversation is that you sound like a fan that calls a game. And, man, I'll tell you, we have one of those here in Lafayette, and I talk to Jay regularly, and – I love that. You know, I don't care. Anybody can call a, a play-by-play guy a homer, and, and if they think that that's a bad thing, uh, we, we really can't have a conversation because I want I want to hear the passion from our guy for our team. I love that. So I just wanted to make that comment. Yeah, but. Why, why would the Coastal Carolina beat right – I mean, the Coastal Carolina play-by-play guy not be a little biased to Coastal Carolina? It should be that way. It should be that way. But I, I just love the way that – I love the way he talks about the team. Anyway uh, – Joe, how many players? I probably put you on here, but how many players remain on Coastal's team from the 2018 win? Do you do you have any idea? Yeah, before I. 
speak of that, I, I do want to say something about Jay Walker. He he, he is a pro's pro. I mean, oh, yeah. that guy has been there and done that, and and I have the, the utmost respect for him in terms of being a being a professional announcer, being professional at what he does. I love listening to his calls. He had a great one at the end of the Georgia State game, you know. And I have tremendous respect for Jay. I, the times I've met him and been around him, he's just as good a guy as, as you'll meet. And, and I don't I don't say that to you know try to you know. Kind of butter him up, whatever, however you want to call it. I, I mean that with you know, from the bottom of my heart. That, that guy is great, Joe. You know, and, and I know how, I know how close he was to Coach Robe, and you know, kind of I, I feel bad for him and 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 everybody at Cajun Nation. But you know, I, I love Jay Walker. Like I can't wait to see him, Joe. You know, this let weekend, me, so. Joe, let me let me ask you real quick before before you answer that question. Has, has Jay Walker ever pulled you into one of his late night bourbon conversations? <laughs> <laughs> Not not yet, not not really. <laughs> Run for your life. Yeah, we we've had we had some we had some Zoom calls this summer with the Sunbelt announcers. That was kind of a fun deal, you know. We we, we kind of had some you know some late night with the Sunbelt announcing kind of going on. That was that was fun, and you know just kind of catching up with him there. But you know, I, again, I I love Jay. And I think he does such a fantastic job, you know, being the voice of the Raging Cajuns. But uh, back back to your question about guys that uh, that were there in 2018. Yeah, we've got several. You know, Javon Hiley, wide receiver. He's a junior now. He, he he may have made the biggest play in that football game late. You know, when we got the ball back late with a two-point lead, well, we fumbled the ball. And if Louisiana recovers that ball, they could go kick a field goal and win it. This is third down. And we fumbled the ball. He Javon recovers it and scampers for a first down. And then we run out the clock. I mean, just a ginormous play in that game. And he's our leading receiver right now. You know, had a big day yesterday with seven catches. You know, Isaiah Likely, who caught a touchdown pass two years ago. He's back for us. Uh, Trey Carter, our, our senior offensive lineman, uh, captain up there. And yeah, he's back. Um, uh, yeah, Marable, uh, you know, he, he was, you know, he, he had just come in a couple of years ago. Uh, he, he, he's back. And like I said, Jeff Gutter, you know, he was an all conference guy two years ago in that 2018 season. He's there. Jack, you know, Teron Jackson, CJ Brewer. So yeah, we, we, we've got a handful. We got, you know, Silas Kelly. You know, our, one of our one of our leading tacklers, weak side linebacker, he'll be there. We got a number of guys who made that trip. You know, and twenty eighteen was that crazy season where we got displaced by a hurricane by Hurricane Florence for almost a month. You know, we came to Louisiana uh, in September from Florida because we got moved off campus for almost a month. So we're we're like the nomads. We're we're out there running around all over the place trying to find places to practice, places to stay, places to eat. You know, flying all over the place before we could even get back to campus. So I was you know, to go win that game was especially gratifying under those conditions. So we do have some people that uh, you know that were there, but I, we're going to face <laughs> we're going to face a, a different Louisiana team this uh, this coming Saturday. Yeah, you know, Joe, I was just about to say we might have been gracious with with granting you guys the W two years ago, but I can't promise we'll be as gracious now. Well, we're gonna go in there and try to win it, but uh, you know, we'll we'll we're gonna we're gonna be better too than what we were then. Oh you know, no, that, no that question was, about the, it. That was the biggest win. That was the biggest win of our season. Much better, yeah. You know, it turned out uh, to go on the road and win that. That was that was a signature Sun Belt win for us early in the league. But both teams are much better now. Like I mentioned earlier, two, three, and zero Sun Belt teams on national television doesn't get any better than that. That's right. No, no question about that, Joe. Before we let you go, man, if you can give us any expectations and or a score prediction. What, what would you What would you say? Oh wow! Score prediction. I, you Play know, I, 
I hate that. Play by play, guys. I hate yeah. when you ask them the prediction. Yeah, I'm real <laughs> skittish about that kind of stuff. You know, I, I don't, I don't really. Joe, 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 Matt's trying to goad you into a jinx. That's what's Absolutely. happening here. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I, I expect both teams will play at a high level. I'll give you that much. I, I think it will be a close game. I think it will be a one score game, one way or the other. I don't think. You know, if, if we play like we played in the first three, we, we will have a great chance to win. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. I don't think we'll get blown out. If we go play well, we will not get blown out of this game. And, and, and just like Louisiana, if they're, they're going to play at a high level. Uh, we're going to have to play extremely well to have a chance. I, I, I expect a close one-score game uh, that may go down the wire, just like the Georgia Southern game for you, you, know, for you guys. So I, I expect our guys to be ready. To be excited, to be at a high level, and, and have a close, exciting football game. That, that's my expectation. Absolutely. Joe Cashin, the play-by-play voice of the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, has been our guest. Joe, we appreciate you for taking the time to preview this game with us. We hope you enjoy Lafayette on Saturday, and uh, good luck to you guys. Guys, thanks so much for having me on. I'm, I'm looking for a trip to the Bayou and eating some good food and Watching a good football game, being able to call a good football game. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you taking the time, man. And listen up. If you uh, if you get down here and you find yourself bored, give us a holler. We'll make sure you fit and and uh, we'll not go hungry. I promise you that. I appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Yep. You too. There he goes, Joe Cashin, the play-by-play voice of the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. We're going to take a break here on Raging Review, and when we come back. We will dive a little deeper into this game, you know, give you our take on the unit matchups and, and things like that. We'll give you a prediction, and then we'll give you a roundup or a preview of Sunbelt Week 4 hey, coming up right I'll here. I'll tell you this. He didn't want it to give you a, a, a prediction, but I, I dig the jinx try. He scurred. I was like, I, I was like, look, get him, to say, get him to say they win by two touchdowns. If you scurred, say you scurred. Um, hey, look, Joe was a pro, and we certainly appreciate him. That was pretty awesome. Uh, absolutely. Like I said, we'll dive a little deeper, and we'll give you a Sunbelt preview of week four when we come back right here on Rage Interview. ESC Supply and Hardware, locally owned since 1987, is the official hardware store of the Range and Review podcast. ESC is Louisiana's oldest dealer of Traeger grills and one of two platinum dealers in the state. ESC is your barbecue headquarters, carrying BK and Weber grills, Blackstone products, and the largest selection of barbecue seasonings in South Louisiana. Do you need propane? On sale every Saturday. What about pellets for your electric smokers? That's on sale every Saturday, too. Come see what in the gang out at PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard, or call 337-837-2811. Check out their website, pscsupply.com. Think you're saving money by booking your trips on those travel sites? Think again. Our friends at Escape Reality Travel Agency can customize your trip hassle-free and, in many cases, for less money. Escape Reality Travel Agency offers service before, during, and after the trip. That ensures a top-notch experience for you and your family. Owners Shaden Haney and Chrislyn Vollenweider pride themselves on providing personalized service and expert guidance for every traveler. Whether domestic or international, the planning process will be painless. Maybe you're looking for a park or resort-style family getaway. With Escape Reality, you can focus on the fun and let them do the work. Perhaps you're looking to attend a Raging Cajuns road game 
no problem. Escape Reality can help. Just visit them on the web at yourescapefromreality.com or call 337-281-1801. Award Master, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Award Master creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and review you trust award masters for all of their needs and you will too award masters is so much more than just an award shop give award masters a call today 337-984-1414 or go to awardmaster.com award master the recognition and personalization experts You know we've got the good taste in music right here on Rage and Review. Welcome back, Matt Miguez here. Josh Jagno sits across from me. Let's let's break down that interview that we just had with Joe Cashian, the play-by-play guy for Coastal Carolina. You know, I, I thought he was very well-spoken. I thought he was very knowledgeable of his Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, as well as being incredibly knowledgeable of the Louisiana Region Cajuns. Absolutely. Um, I like the way he... I love the way he loves his team. Yeah. No, you, you, you can tell the pride in his voice. I love it. Just, he, he, he reminds me a lot of Jay Walker. He even made the comment that he's a fan calling the game. I mean, what's better than that? I know some people can't stand that, and they say that's unprofessional. I totally disagree. Uh, if I'm going to listen to somebody constantly call my games, I want them to kind of feel like they're on our side. Right. Of I'm course. Right. You know, and when you listen to the other opposing team call their game, what you expect you're going to hear? So let's make this a weekly segment on Region Review, shall we? Josh is deathly afraid of blank. It should be a weekly segment because I am deathly afraid. Speak. Dude, Coastal is, I don't know how many, you know, the thing is, like, how many listeners out there have watched the Coastal games? You've been watching. Okay. Oh, they're, they're freaky. There is absolutely no way you can watch Coastal play and not go, oh, S. They might be really, really, really good. O.S.? Yeah, I can't. I've been having, you know, I got the kids all day. I, I can't cuss around oh. the kids, so I got to be using the S and the F and the B and stuff like that. Either way, seriously, 6'4", 6'3", 6'1", that's what their pass catchers are. Their tight end's like 280, all right? McCall is a baby, but he's like 6'2", 230, 220. I mean, he's huge. And that's just the physicality of it all. I mean, look at how they play. Look at the complexity of their offense. You want to talk about the option being difficult to prepare for? These cats run the option out of the gun and throw it. And the quarterback runs. And their offensive line is probably the best unit on their team. Tons of experience back. They play attacking defense. They're going to run a multi-front out in front of you. They're going to pressure you. They're going to stunt you. They're going to they're going to make you make decisions. Yeah. And no, they totally will. I'm not killing Levi. I'm just saying 
Decision making Le- has not been excellent this year. Le- Levi at the signal so caller here, here's, position. Here, here's the thing: last year in 2019, Levi Lewis broke out of his shell. But he did it in the second half of the season. In that Coastal Carolina game. That, that's true. This that is the game where he came out and said, "This is who I'm going to be." It, it was his best game as a case. Absolutely. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. I expect the same. Oh God, I hope so. I expect the same. I hope so. This is the game, you know, Levi's known as the guy that will always get down on himself. But rarely do you see it come to fruition immediately. Okay. I think Saturday is the game where him getting down on himself for the last three weeks finally comes to fruition. And it always helps that, you know, if you've had some success against a team. Right. That that usually helps. Right. You know, you see certain colors and you light up. Like, oh, yeah, we got Coastal this week. And, and it, I'm just speaking. Oh, for sure. Just, I, I'm just telling you, for, when you watch them play, there's no there's no fluke that they had the ball for 41 minutes yesterday. They run that kind of offense. They're, I don't know if you guys heard, but Joe Cashin said it. Number two in the FBS in third down efficiency. You wanted 60%. To, you want to demoralize the defense? Keep them on the field. Yeah. For a fresh set of downs, absolutely. And look, I don't think this is hyperbole. I saw Iowa State beat Oklahoma last night. I saw. I watched just like you guys did. Coastal Carolina might be the best team we've played so far. I'm I'm, I'm going on record. I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy. If you watch, they have thoroughly dominated. I I think that's a little bit. They have thoroughly dominated every single team they've played. They've thoroughly dominated, including a team, okay. Arkansas State, who went to Kansas State and dominated them. Right, right. Okay. I, I say dominated. I, I they beat them. They I beat agree them. with you. They've thir- they have thoroughly dominated every team they've played. Offensively, however, defensively, special teams. However, the first two games were against Lawrence High School, the Mad Hatters, and the Campbellite Fighting Camels. Campbell's good. No, look, they have a good quarterback. They, they have a good quarterback. quarterback. That's it. But they they smashed him. They smashed him. They smashed who, a P five. But, but who? But who wouldn't? They smashed a P five. Look, Vanderbilt might be the worst team in the country. That's incorrect. Do, they're in the they're in the bottom ten. Bottom ten, yes. I'll give do you that. Do you think the Cajuns are going on over there and winning by thirty against Vanderbilt? Yeah, maybe not thirty. It, the point is, they still have P five players. They still have a P5 program. They still have P5 support. Coastal went to Kansas and just because it was never a football. Good. 28 to 3 at halftime? Because they aren't good. 28 to 3 at halftime. Dude, you uh, we would go to Kansas and do that. I don't know. They're not good. Well, we're getting off we're getting way off into another conversation, but I I'll just say this. Coastal, there's a certain expectation that comes when you just beat the shit out of people. And they have and they have, and they're confident, and that quarterback has numbers that are gaudy, and yeah. the dude is a, a, a he's a, a brand new, still got placenta around him, baby. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I'm not even kidding. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman, but he's never. I mean, he's starting games he played, for he the first time in his time last year. I mean, garbage time is what it is, but when you're the guy, right? Nine touchdowns, one, one pick, zero fumbles lost. Redshirt freshman, he's nineteen. No, I'm with you. That's wild. I'm with you. Not to mention they got a stable of running backs. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> I'm I mean, just telling you. Know, you. CJ Marable was first team all conference last year. 
Marable is the, is the known name, but they have guys behind them that can fill. They also have quarterbacks behind uh, McCall that McCall. can play. Yep, Carpenter, uh, Carpenter, who we know well. Fred Payton. Yeah, I, um, I, I just I love the fact that Joe got into the weeds on the two and three deep because, in my opinion, that's where those games are won, especially conference games when you 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 know a team, you know what to expect. But I'm just telling you, dude, the complexities that they run offensively and defensively, we haven't seen an attacking style defense like that. I, I'm just telling you, this is going to be a different deal. They're terrifying on tape. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I don't, I don't disagree. When you watch a team play football, and every time the ball is snapped, the line goes their way. They have the advantage, whether it be defense or offense. Every time the ball is snapped, Coastal Carolina's offense pushes somebody around. Every time the ball is snapped, Coastal Coastal's defense pushes into the backfield. Almost, there's always a guy in the backfield somewhere. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I do not disagree with you. And they're fast. I, I think I think what my thing is is I have an immense level of confidence. Oh, God, for sure. In what we can do. For sure. And to what we bring on the football field. Totally agree. To where, yes, I'm nervous. I get nervous about every game. However, I still feel like we are the better team. I am deathly afraid of Coastal Carolina. Deathly. Fair enough. Most interesting unit matchup for you. Oh, man, look, I didn't even – you go. Our receivers versus their DBs. That's a good one. In my opinion, their DBs are one of their only weaknesses. I think there's some opportunity there. There's definitely some opportunity there. I think so. There's definitely some opportunity there. Um, you know, if it wasn't for the D-line and the front seven of Coastal getting pressure on Logan Bonner yesterday, I mean, you saw at the beginning of the game. Yeah. They were – Torching those DBs. Yes. Until what? What's the what's the DC's name? Uh, Chad Stags. Stags. Yeah. He. I like the way he, he changed, runs that defense. He changed his game plan. Yeah. Sign of he a changed, good team. Sign he of a good his game plan on the fly. Sign of a good coach. But early on, me Bonner was thrashing that DB. Bonner was also putting the ball in some freaking. He was tight windows. He man. was. He was. But yeah, I, that's that's going to be the most interesting thing to me is can Levi air the ball out to the receivers that we know are capable of putting up some freaky numbers against a weak secondary. I expect Patrick to play some press coverage and man-on-man outside. So if you're you're asking me for a position group, it's going to be McCall being able to maybe or maybe not manipulate safeties. If he can manipulate safeties, maybe there's some some opportunity. He's not Percy Butler. I I don't think – no. Percy Butler's an All-American, obligatory All-American Statement, but I think that I think Billy's gonna. Well, I say Billy. It's gonna be Patrick. I think he's gonna play that three that three safety set that he likes to play with Cam back. Mm-hmm. And look, man, if they are able he, to do that, they can suffocate anybody. He might be able to manipulate Braylon Trahan. Braylon's not, better. He he's not touching Percy Butler. Braylon's better this year even than I expected. I, I, I Have you ever seen a player get better like that guy? No, no. I'm serious. I mean, Joe Burrow maybe last year for LSU. In that Georgia Southern but, game, yeah. Braylon Tron told, showed you how versatile he is. And look, some people call him a little soft on the tackling. And look, I, I have my own complaints about that. But he was in position, and when he was, he made plays. Yeah, no question. And I like Braylon a lot. I'm telling you, when we play that three safety set, you, it's so, it's such a versatile uh, uh, set that you you can do so many things. Especially Cam. Cam can play. A, he can be a backer. 
I mean, you can sneak him up. You can sneak Podesclo up to be a backer. So uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, maybe we spy. And if we do that, we'll probably use Joe because he's probably the fastest linebacker we have. Uh, but but yeah, I'm 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 looking to see what our safeties are going to do with McCall and how they handle him. That would be my position group matchup that I'm interested in. Yeah, there's Grayson Grayson McCall scares the ever living you know what out of me. He's dude to be this good this early. And look, I guess there's some credence to what you said. I mean, they're not out there playing Clemson and LSU. I understand that. But I mean, look, Kansas still has P5 players. You have to. You have to say, look, that's something. Campbell's an FCS, but Campbell should have beaten Georgia Southern. Granted, without half that roster, I understand that, but Shy Wirtz played in the game. You know? Right. But Arkansas State? That is, listen, that was a thorough-ass kicking. I watched the game. Thorough-ass kicking. I'm trying to get the Sunbelt scores for the Saturday pulled up. But for some reason, my ESPN app is not wanting to. Dog, you got to get CBS Sports app. Cooperate. It's the best. It's the absolute best collegiate app. Here we go. All right. Only four games in the Sun Belt this Saturday. Yeah. 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN2, Coastal Carolina, and number 23, Louisiana. God, that feels good to say. We're we should be in the top back 20. In the it's such, oh, such bullshit. We're not getting into that. We, we definitely should, but we're not, we're not going to get into that. Currently... According to the Caesars Sportsbook by William Hill, the Cajuns are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. No. For Coastal? Six-and-a-half? you telling me it opened at nine and it's all the way down to six-and-a-half in two hours? According to the ESPN app, with odds courtesy of the Caesars Sportsbook by William Hill, UL minus six-and-a-half. It should be at six-and-a-half, but to drop from nine to six-and-a-half that fast is something. Says. 11 a.m. also on ESPNU, ULM, who, by the way, let me just say this. (laughs) I'm going to say this. I never thought that I would say a statement supporting UL Monroe. They got screwed last night. It wasn't good. And granted, here's, here's the real problem. They screwed themselves. This proves our point that UL Monroe should be in the FCS. They can't even afford a proper camera crew. They how do you not have a goal line angle? Ugh, God, that's bad. Further drives home my point that they cannot survive in Division One FBS football. I mean, look at we want to say I feel bad for them. <laughs> they can't do it. They just can't do again. They couldn't afford a proper camera crew. What would they do? Get some interns to film the game last night on for ESPN Plus? We don't call them almost for for nothing, man. I mean, th- think about if you're Georgia Southern though. One point Campbell win, two point Louisiana loss. Was it two point Monroe win? Five point. Five, was five point? Okay. Thirty-five thirty. Okay. I mean, my goodness. Chad Lunsford's like. Heart is... Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, no. Monroe got jobbed. Again, whether it be by the refs or by themselves or both. Eh, fuck them. We'll never know. Anyways, they will play the Flames of Liberty at that beautiful new facility that Liberty has put together over there in Virginia. God, have you seen it? I have seen it. That's ridiculous. 
Liberty's going to light up ULM, and that's going to be a shame. Liberty is currently a 20.5 point favorite. What? Liberty minus 20.5. Yeah, that's embarrassing on so many levels. At 2.30 on ESPN3, Arkansas oh. State <sighs> and Central Arkansas. Dude, you saw Central Arkansas almost went up and beat yeah. North Dakota. Yeah, that was a good game. Nah, that was a good game. What was it, 6 nothing at halftime? Something like that, yeah. That was North Dakota State's only game of the year. Dude. That was their only game of the year. They are done for the year. What a stupid time we live in. Right? Retarded. Anyways. Arkansas State Central, Arkansas, 230 on the three. Arkansas State currently listed as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. I still can't get over that performance last week. Well, Saturday. Oh, yeah, they, they laid a total egg. That game would no not gonna discredit Coastal at all. They whipped their ass. Game should have been closer. Up and down the field, they whipped. Game should have been closer from about the se- the middle point of the second quarter for the rest of the game. Yeah. Also at two thirty on ESPN three, Texas State will play Troy. You know this one's gonna be interesting. At Troy, interesting game. Yeah, interesting game. Troy's a seven point favorite. They should be there at home. Yeah, and they've done a little bit more, but but Texas State is look they're more capable than people think. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with you. They're, you know, if, if you look at, yeah, they're one and three, but, you know, they blew it against BC. They blew it, blew it against SMU. Oh, dude, they freaking handed they, the game over given, on a freaking given, civil. They've given two of their games away. <laughs> Texas State should be three and one right now. Yeah, this, they, these they are blew, the games that the Sun Belt can't lose. They blew the SMU game and they blew the Boston College game. And think about what SMU just did, and they're right. ranked. Right. They had SMU beat. Right. Yeah. Stupid. And they had BC beat. Spavital, man. God. Yeah, no no question about it. We'll take a break here on Rage and Review. Actually, no, we're wrapping it up here on Rage and Review. That was quick, Matt. That was yeah. quick. That was that was very, very, uh, a lot quicker than, than we thought. Yeah. But, yeah. It happens when you're having fun, buddy. Again, Coastal Carolina and Louisiana, 11 a.m. on ESPN2 this Saturday. If you can, if you have tickets to the game, obviously go to the game. If you cannot go to the game, watch it on TV or listen to Jay, G. Broussard, and Cody Juno bring you the call on ESPN fourteen twenty. Steve Pelican will have the pregame show at nine, like usual, and then Jay will take over at about ten forty-five before the kickoff at eleven. Cajun Nation, as always, be safe, be well, go Cajuns, and we will see you guys this Saturday. If y'all think that this is gonna be a walkover. Y'all don't know anything. Be ready for a fight. I think Vegas finally got a line right if it's six and a half. We'll see. Anyway. All right, as always, guys, go Cajuns. Tell them, Owie.